Good morning. So this is a redoing of 5A. Hey, Omid Aleph, we just finished saying on 4B, the bottom of 4B, that one should always say Shema before going to bed. And the the upcoming Omud, the upcoming page of Gemara, is, uh, becomes a source for a lot of what has become Kriya Shema Al-Hamita, the Shema prayer service before going to sleep different than the Shema that we say in the morning or in the evening, at the evening prayer service. Okay, top of 5a, in Talmud Chacham Hu Ein Tzarech, if one is a Torah scholar, you do not need to say Shema before going to sleep, because we then assume that your thoughts are always filled with the Torah thoughts, which would do the same job of protecting you from whatever it is that Shema protects you from. Amar Abaye, Af Talmud Chacham Ibaile Abaye says that even a Torah scholar actually still has to say one verse that refers to God's mercy before going to sleep. In your hand I entrust my spirit. You redeemed me, Hashem, God of truth. Back into the Gemara, the colon. Amr Levi Barchama Amr Mshim Ben Lakish. You should always try to agitate your good inclination against your evil inclination, Shinemar, as the verse says, Rigzu agitate it. Um, it means tremble, but it also means agitate. So agitate, and then you will not sin. Now we're going to talk about um, a couple of solutions for how to stay away from sin. If the good inclination beats the evil inclination, that's good. But if that does not work, if agitating is not enough, then then go and learn Torah. Shinemar, as the verse says, Imru it says, the next part of that verse, which, by the way, was the verse we quoted to teach us that you need to say Shema at night. So the first part says, Rigzu agitate it, um, and you will not sin. And then it says, Imru say in your heart. And we say that that refers to words of Torah, and that that should help you not sin. Im motav, if you, if the good inclination beats the evil inclination, if the good in, evil inclination beats the good, in, if the good inclination beats the evil inclination, then good. But if not, then you should go and read Shema, and that should help. Shema is the next part of the verse says, "Al on your bed, which is a reference to the Shema. Im if you the good inclination beats the evil inclination at that point, that's good. and if not, you should remember the day of death. Think about the day of death. Shema the last part of the verse says, "Vidomu sela." And you, when you will be silenced, Sela. And when will you be completely silenced? Upon the day of death. Okay, we're at the period now. So Rehama says, what does it mean when it's written? When God says, And I shall give you the tablets of stone, and the Torah, and the commandment, that I wrote down to teach you. What are all those things a reference to? It sounds like, God is giving all of this to us. What is this a reference to? So luchos, the first word was, I'm going to give you the tablets. What's that? Elo aseret sadibros, those are the Ten Commandments. The next word was Torah. What is that a reference to? Zem mikra. It's a reference to the five books of Moses. The Torah. Viham mitzvah, then it says, and I'm giving you the mitzvah. What's that a reference to? Zom mishnah, this is the mishnah. Um, mitzvah is a commandment, and mishnah is the succinct overview of all of the commandments. Asher kasafti. What about when God says that I wrote? Elon that's a reference to the prophets and to the writings. Lahorosam to teach you. 
that's the last part of the verse. What's that a reference to? Zed Gemara. That's a reference to the Gemara, which means teaching. Malami, this teaches us, Shekulam Nitnula Moshe Misina, that all of these things, all of these that we just mentioned, were given to Moshe at Mount Sinai. This couple of lines here forms one of the most foundational aspects of our theology, that God gave the written and the oral Torah at Mount Sinai, and this is the this is one of the verses that uh, teach us this. Uh, that, that obviously requires elaboration, but that is the basics. All right, um, we're at the colon, the next colon, the first colon in the wide lines. Anybody that reads Shema by his bed, it's as if you are holding a double-edged sword. That's how protective you are. Shinamar, as the verse says, the verse says that the praises of God are in their throat and a double-edged sword is in their hand. And we learn from there that saying Shema um, at your bed is as if you're holding a double-edged sword. Now, where in that verse do we see that that has anything to do with Shema? We see this concept that it's you, that you're holding a double-edged sword, but what does that have to do with Shema? That's what you said, and some say it was Rav Ashi. You have to look at the verse before. Because the verse before says, the pious one shall rejoice in their glory or in their respect. They will praise you on their beds. And then right after the praise you on the beds, which is a reference to Shema, it says right after that, the praises of God are in their throats. And the double-edged sword is in their hands. We are now at the period. Anybody that reads Shema uh, before going to bed, demons will separate from him. Shinema, as the verse says, The verse says, <coughs> The verse says, Sorry about that. The verse says, Which means, the Mizerav means um, battles of battles of um, of Rav of of being hungry, um, battles of starvation. Sorry about that. Let's go back to the to the uh, to the period. Um, I think as I was coughing, I skipped a line. So back to the period. Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says, anyone who recites the Shema." Before going to sleep, Mazikin Bedilin Himeno demons are separated from him. Shinemar, as the verse says, I read the wrong verse, I skipped. Uvene Reshef Yagbiu Of and the spirits soar in flight. Vein of Torah, and we know that that word um, in flight is actually a reference to the Torah. So Shinemar, and how do we know that? The verse says, Hasaif you close your eyes from it and it is gone. And we know that that's a reference to the Torah. And that Hebrew word hasa'if is the same root as the word uf, which is translated as flight. So we can substitute the word Torah in there for the word uf. And the spirits soar from the Torah. So now what are the spirits a reference to? The ein reshef elamazikin, and the word reshef, or spirits that we translated, are actually a reference to demons. Shenemar, as the verse said, mizerav ulchume reshef v'ketiv meriri. It says, Bloating from famine, battles of Rashef and Ketav Meriri. So, 
looking at that verse, Ketav Meriri is a reference to demons. So you could read that verse as bloating of famine, battles of Reshef and Ketav Meriri, two different types of demons. So we're going to say Reshef means demon. So now we go back into the verse, and we know the spirits means demons, and we know Uf, or flight, really means the Torah. So it's really, and the spirits soar from the Torah. So spirits go away, demons go away when one um, learns Torah. So saying Shema is a fulfillment of Torah learning. So therefore we're saying that if you say the Shema, then spirits will be kept away from you. Okay, back into the Gemara. A little bit of a different take on those verses. Amar of Shem Belakish, or Shem Belakish says, Kol Haosek Batorah Yisurim Adelin Himenu. Anyone who studies the Torah, afflictions stay away from him. Shinemar, as the verse says, again, the same verse, and the spirits soar in flight. We know that the word Uf can also mean the Torah. Shinemar, as the verse says, You close your eyes to it and it is gone. Same exact uh, proof. And now we're just going to translate the word spirit a little bit differently. Before we translated it as demons, now we're going to translate it as affliction or suffering. We're going to use the same verse to prove that. The beginning of the verse that we had used to prove that Reshef is referenced to demons is tells us bloating of famine, battles of Reshef. And just like bloating of famine is some sort of affliction, we will then conclude that battles of Reshef is also some sort of affliction or suffering. And then you substitute that, you uh, plug that back into the verse, and the verse is basically saying, the original verse is basically saying, and the spirits, or the demons, soar in flight. So I'm sorry, not the, the demons, and the spirits, which now we're translating as the afflictions, soar in flight. Flight is also a reference to Torah. So in the and the afflictions soar away because of Torah study. But now we have a question, because what, what this verse is now teaching us is that afflictions stay away if one studies Torah. And the question is, is don't we already know that from a far earlier verse? That was a verse in, uh, in Job, I believe. Now, wouldn't we know this from a much earlier verse, from the five books of Moses? So don't even school children know this concept, that uh, learning Torah keeps suffering away. As the verse says, This is the verse in Exodus, and it says, if you diligently listen to the voice of Hashem your God, you do what is just in His eyes, and you give ear to His commandments and observe all His decrees, then any of the diseases that I placed upon Egypt I will not bring upon you, because I am Hashem your healer. So we see that as long as you are keeping the Torah and the mitzvot, then you will not be suffering the same, that you will not suffer. So don't we already know this? What do we need a verse in Job to teach us this? So now we're going to teach you, now Rabbi Yochanan is now going to explain to us what it is that we do and cannot learn from the verse in Exodus. Rather, regarding anyone that has an opportunity to learn Torah, and does not do so, Hashem brings upon that person repulsive afflictions that make him repulsive. So not only is it, so from that verse in Exodus, we would have learned that if you study Torah, then Yisur, and then afflictions stay away from you. Now we're teaching you that we need another verse to teach you that by not studying Torah, then affliction does come. Shinemar, as the verse says, then affliction specifically does come. And obviously that is a much bigger discussion. We're going to see a lot here that's going to have a lot of philosophical ramifications. As the verse says, 
so now we're going to show you how, where we know that you will get you will receive suffering or afflictions if you in fact do not study Torah when you have the oppor opportunity to do so I became a mute with stillness. I was silent from the good, and my pain became repulsive. So it sounds like when I was silent from the good, my pain became repulsive. What's good a reference to? The word good is a reference to Torah study. As the verse tells us, this is from Proverbs, for I've given you good doctrine do not abandon my torah so we see the word good as a reference to torah so we see that when you become still silent i'm sorry from toe from good which is the torah that's when one's pain becomes repulsive okay we are now in the period at the period almost halfway down in the wider lines omar abzair and now we're going to talk more about that verse from proverbs um, about god giving you good doctrine do not abandon it Come and see how unlike the characteristic of Hashem is compared to the characteristic of a person, of flesh and blood. The characteristic of a person who is flesh and blood is such that if a person sells something that's very special to him, and he doesn't really want to sell, but he needs the money. Then he's sad, and the buyer is happy. So he got he parted with a precious object. So he's sad, and the buyer is happy. But God is not like that. He gave the Torah, so a very precious object, to Israel, and he rejoiced. Shinemar and God rejoiced. Shinemar, as the verse says, "Ki lechem." I have given you a good thing, a good doctrine. Do not uh, Torah si Do not abandon my Torah. I'm giving you something that I cherish. I don't want you to get rid of it. I don't want to have it back. I want you to keep it and not abandon it. Okay, this is another um, teaching that discusses Torah study and suffering. If a person sees that afflictions are befalling, are befalling him, he should look at his deeds to see if there's any sin that he's been committing, and perhaps that's the source of his affliction. As the verse says, let us search and examine our ways and return to Hashem. This is a verse in Eicha, in Lamentations, which is the Megillah that we read on Tisha B'Av, on the ninth of Av. So we see that first you should do, first thing you should do is um, look into your deeds. So if you looked into your deeds and you did not find anything, and you see that the suffering persists, then you should attribute the afflictions to the fact that you neglected Torah study. As the verse says, Fortune is the man whom God afflicts and whom you teach from your Torah. So we see that, so we see that somebody who is afflicted should go and learn Torah. And if you went to... And it, now, if you find, though, that you never miss an opportunity to study Torah, and yet your affliction persists, then you can conclude as follows. And this is a very philosophically important concept that is obviously needs elaboration. Then you should know, at that point, after not finding any source for the affliction, then you can assume that they are afflictions of love. Shinamar, as the verse says, 
because the, um, the Hashem rebukes the one that Hashem, the one that God loves. Very complicated idea. We're going to talk about that for a little bit. Um, <coughs> the basic understanding, which again, this is a much longer topic, but just the basic understanding is, is that we live in this world, but our ultimate reward is in the world to come, is in the next world. And if we want complete reward in this world, then we need to atone for whatever small things that we did in this world. So God will bring suffering in this world to allow our reward in the next world to be complete. That would be the very basic, but there's a lot more to it. Whoever is the God desires, God crushes with affliction. And the one who Hashem desires, God crushes with sickness. Now you may have thought that God brings this type of affliction even if the person that is to receive it does not accept it with love. Talmud Lomar, therefore we teach otherwise. Im tasim asham nafsho. The verse says, <clears throat> as a continuation of the part of Hash the one who Hashem desires, God crushes with sickness, it continues to say, if his soul acknowledges guilt. Now what is this a reference to? So the word guilt can mean guilt, but it also can mean a sacrifice, a reference to one of the sacrifices. So what are we saying? If his soul acknowledges the sacrifice, what's that a meaning? Just like a sacrifice is accepted by God only if it's brought with consent. So perhaps what God is hinting to here is so too this type of suffering of love. It's only brought upon a person if they are accepted with consent, accepted with love. We're going to continue expounding on this verse which we started with which is a verse from Isaiah, from Yeshaya. Um, if, and, if one accepts the affliction with love, then what's the reward? The answer is, He will see offspring and live long days. And not only that, He will retain his Torah study, as the verse says, And the desire of Hashem, the desire of Hashem, which is the Torah, will succeed in his hand. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about this concept of afflictions of love. said, we are about 14 lines up from the bottom at the end of the line. and Rabbi Achabar Hanina disagreed about something, and um, each one had their own opinion. one of them says, Elohim Yisurn Shava. These are afflictions of love, those that do not involve, or those that do not cause the neglect of Torah study. As the verse says, The verse says, Fortune is the man whom God afflicts, and whom you teach from your Torah. So we see that fortune is the man whom God afflicts, so that's the afflictions of love. And this is the person whom you still teach from your Torah, can still study the Torah. The Chad Amar, one says, These are the afflictions of love. All those that do not involve the neglect of prayer. Shnamar, as the verse says, Blessed is God, who has not turned away my prayer or his loving kindness from me. So um, we see that uh, the blessed is God who has not turned away my prayer. Um, you need to, in order to know that these are afflictions of love, you have to still be able to pray, not lose that opportunity. And then there's a third of a third opinion. Amr Luhu Rabbi Abba Bereid Rabbi Chiyabar Abba Rabbi Sen Leim Rabbi Chiyabar Abba. 
uh, Son of Rechiv Rabbah said to both of these two opinions. This is what Rechiv Rabbah said in the name of Rechiv Both of these are actually still afflictions of love, whether they cause neglect of Torah study or prayer. Shinemar, as the verse says, as the verse says, for Hashem rebukes the one that Hashem loves. So basically, after already referencing to uh, the prayer and Torah, it finishes off saying that Hashem rebukes the one he loves to imply that even if there is neglect of Torah and prayer, it still can be an affliction of love. But now, if that's the case, how do we understand the other expositions? How do we understand the way that these two other sages expounded that seem to reflect that if there, uh, if there are afflictions of love, then there will not be neglect of Torah study or prayer? So first we're going to talk about the Torah study verse. Ela ma Talmud lomar. So what does it mean in the verse that says, Umi Torah denu, and whom you teach from your Torah, which seem to imply that uh, an affliction of love still allows for teaching from Torah? So we answer, Al-Tikri Silam Denu, do not read it as you teach him that you are still teaching him Torah. Elis Silam Denu, rather read it as, as if it's written, you teach us. In other words, what that verse is saying is, is fortune is one who is afflicted. And Davarzemi Torah Denu, you taught us this matter. This matter that fortune it is the person that God afflicts. You taught us that this that the person is fortunate from the Torah, from the five books of Moses. Using an argument based on the law of the tooth or eye of a Canaanite slave. So the argument is as follows. It's called the Kalvachomer argument. We see this all over the Talmud. And basically we say that if we see something in one scenario, we can say even more so in the, in the next scenario. Um, so we'll give the, this is the example. This is the case. If some, if, in the case of a Canaanite slave, if the owner knocks out the tooth or the eye of the Canaanite slave, the slave goes free, completely free on account of it. So then affliction, which purges a person's entire body, is far more severe. Then certainly a person should become free, become free of the taint of any sort of sin, which is obviously a very fortunate thing. And now we're going to learn this in a bit of a different way. This is called a, a Gzeira Shava. Um, a Gzeira Shava basically looks at a word, the same word seen in two different verses, and finds a connection, therefore, between those two verses. Behind Reb Shem and this is what Reb Shem Malakish says. Reb Shem Malakish says, Nehmer the word covenant is found when it comes to salt. The word covenant is found when it comes to salt. Salt specifically on the meat of a sacrifice, and it says, and it says, um, the word covenant when it comes to affliction. It says the word covenant in reference to salt. As the verse says, you may not discontinue the salt of the covenant. And it says the word covenant when it comes to afflictions, as the verse says. I'm sorry, as the verse says, these are the words of the covenant. So what is the connection then between those two verses that share the same odd word, word that doesn't necessarily um, seem to fit? Just in the case of the covenant, that's said in reference to salt, the salt sweetens the meat, or really purges the meat. 
so too in the case of the covenant that's referenced when it comes to affliction, we learn something similar. That afflictions purge all of the person's sins. Now we are at the last colon on the page. Tanya, this is another interesting concept when it comes to suffering. The Holy One, blessed is He, gave three good gifts to Israel, to the Jewish people, but all of them were given only through suffering. Elohim, what are the gifts? Torah, the Torah, the land of Israel, and the world to come. Torah, from where do we know that the Torah is acquired only through suffering? Shinem, as the verse says, Fortunate is the man whom God afflicts, and whom you teach from your Torah. So we see that connection between suffering and the Torah. That's a verse in Psalms. Um, sorry, Eretz Israel. The land of Israel is acquired only through suffering. From where do we know that? As the verse says, The verse tells us that uh, this is in, uh, in uh, Devarim, in Deuteronomy. Just as a father will chastise his son, so Hashem your God chastises you. Uchsiv basrei. And it says right, and it's written right after that, your God will bring you to a good land. So we see that it, the discussion, the first verse was about suffering or chastisement. And right after that, it's about bringing you to the good land, which is Israel. Then you have the world to come is acquired only through suffering. From where do we know this? As the verse says, For the commandments are a candle and the Torah is light. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So we see the connection. Reproofs of instruction, which would be the uh, suffering of love, are the way of life, um, the way of life, and we know that that refers to the world to come. Very often when it says the word chayim, or life, in the Torah, um, or in the um, in the Vim, or in the Ketuvim, in the prophets, or in the writings, it's a reference to the world to come. Okay, we'll stop here for today as far as the Gemara learning is concerned. We um, spoke a little bit more about saying Shema at night um, and what a Torah scholar has to do. Then we talked about staying away from sin and gave a couple of different um, uh, op uh, ways of doing so. Then we talked about that foundational concept that the to written Torah and the oral Torah come from Sinai. We spoke further about Shema and about the, its protective qualities. And then we started talking about suffering and different types of suffering and afflictions of love, which, of course, we still need to elaborate on a lot more. Um, they, there's a lot of uh, Jewish philosophy is discusses this concept and eventually gets to the concept of why do bad things happen to good people. Um, and then we continue talking about different types of suffering until we got to um, this discussion of these gifts that were given through suffering the Torah, Israel, and the world to come, and uh, that, that uh, especially Israel, we definitely see that. Um, we'll stop here for today. Have a wonderful day, and I uh, look forward to next time.